You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. Well, Stonegate, Merry Christmas Eve. I hope you are doing well today and that, uh, gosh, this weekend is just an amazing weekend for you and your families. And so if you want to go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2, I get the privilege of just thinking with you for a few minutes about the incarnation of Jesus. And I want to do that by just considering with you one sentence out of Luke chapter 2. Now, just think about the the chapter for a moment, Luke 2. In the first seven verses of the chapter, Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem, and they're going to Bethlehem to register, which is just essentially a way of letting the government know they exist. So they're there in Bethlehem, and that is when it goes down. Uh, Mary goes into labor, and Mary gives birth to Jesus. And then, as it says there in chapter 2, verse 7, Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, from there, at the end of verse 7, the story takes a hard sort of turn. It, it cuts over to shepherds who are out in the field. Now, just imagine if you're one of the shepherds. Uh, you are doing what you have been doing every night. You, you, it's just another ordinary night. You're, you're taking care of sheep, and on that ordinary night, doing your ordinary thing, an angel appears. I mean, just think about the moment. An angel appears to them, and that's where we pick it up in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And it's that announcement, that explanation of the birth of Jesus that I just want to consider with you for the next couple of minutes. And uh, let me do that in two parts. It really teaches us two things we need to consider every time we sort of walk through a, a Christmas season. Here's the first thing this verse shows us, that the gospel really is good news. The gospel is good news. It's such good news that William Tyndale, he said it makes a man's heart glad and makes him sing and dance and leap for joy. That's how good the good news is. There is no news like it. Now, that could beg the question, though, what makes this news so good? And I think the answer is, uh, well, what makes the news so great is that our situation is so serious. So so this news lands on us in such an amazing way because our situation is so, so serious. Uh, Every one of us in the room, we have problems. If if you were to kind of dig into my life, you would see problems. If I were to dig into your life, I would see problems there. Some of our problems are bigger. Some of our problems are smaller. But we all have problems. But underneath all of those problems in our life lies this problem. You, You might think of it as the problem. The problem you have and I have is that our sin has separated us from God. That is the problem. That's the mega problem. Now that word sin encapsulates all of the God-belittling actions and attitudes and affections that a human being can have toward God. That's the word sin. And according to the scriptures, that word sin, this issue of sin, the problem of sin is a universal problem. It's not a problem that a few people out there have. It's a problem that every person out there has. Sin is a universal problem. It's a worldwide problem. Since the moment of Genesis chapter 3, when our first parents ate that forbidden fruit, in that moment, sin infected the human race. And from that moment, it has been affecting every single human life, my life, your life. 
everyone you know, their life. Sin is a universal problem. But the scriptures also show us that sin is a deadly problem. It's so deadly that it doesn't just wreck this life, it also wrecks the life to come. It, it wrecks forever in our life. Uh, th this is uh, Paul, when he talks about this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. Here's the penalty of sin. Here's the wage of sin. It's death. Now that word death in Romans 6 doesn't just, it's not just talking about a, a temporal death, that we're going to die physically one day, although that's surely a part of what sin does produce in our life. We will die one day physically in this life because of sin. But even more than a temporal physical death, when Paul says the wages of sin is death, he means an eternal death. He, he means in a sense we die forever. Although in a billion years from now, we are going to be alive. We are going to have died forever. We're going to be separated from God forever. Have you, have you thought about this lately? That in a billion years from now, you are going to be alive. And the most important question we should all be thinking about is where are we going to be in a billion years from now? Sin not only wrecks this life, it wrecks forever. It separates us from God for all eternity. Sin is a universal problem. Sin is a deadly problem. And this deadly problem of sin is too big for human solutions. You cannot work your way out of this sin problem. You don't have the capacity to solve this problem of sin. Your good living won't solve the problem of sin in your life. You, you being a good parent won't solve the problem of sin in your life. You being a good neighbor won't solve uh, the problem of sin in your life. You being a good friend won't solve the problem of sin in your life. You doing enough good things to outweigh the bad things won't solve the problem of sin in your life. Sin is a problem that is beyond human solution. Uh, every parent knows the moment when you walk into a room and you see your kid in a predicament that they can't solve. Every parent knows that. Uh, just think about the moment you walk in as a parent and somehow your toddler has climbed up a 12-foot ladder and they're on the top rung. They're, they're just in a, they're in a predicament that, that they just cannot solve. So what every parent does in a moment like that is they look at their toddler, they, they scream at them, Stop! Don't move, because if you move, you're going to actually make it worse. So, so don't move. Stop. Don't move. Wait right there. I'll come and get you. Right? That's what we say when, when a kiddo gets into a predicament that they can't solve. And, and friends, that is what God is saying to us at Christmas. You have a problem of sin that you cannot solve. It's beyond human solution. So God is looking at the world and saying, stop. Stop everything. But wait right there, I'll come and get you. And the good news of Christmas, the good news of Jesus is that God did come 2,000 years ago. He wrapped on human flesh. He lived perfectly in our place. He died in our place for our sin, solving our problem of sin for us. That's what happened on the cross. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our sin has been dealt with. Jesus has opened up the way for us to now relate to God again, have peace with God again. We're actually now invited into the family of God. We can live with God, not cut off from him dying forever, but no, we can live with him forever in the place that we were made for, with the person, God himself, that we were made for. I love how one commentator said it. He said, God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. 
That's what we're celebrating, the good news of Christmas. And that, that child has a name. His name is Jesus. And that's why the na- angel announced, hey, hey, in the birth of Jesus, I bring you good news of great joy. The gospel is good news. Now, we also learn a second thing in verse 10 of, of Luke 2. We learn, yes, the gospel is good news. And we learn that this good news is for all people. It's for all people. Look there again at verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy, and here's the last phrase, that will be for all the people. Uh, We oftentimes describe the good news of Jesus like this. Uh, Part one, we are all idiots. That's the humbling part. We're all idiots. The gospel has to humble us before it helps us. We're all idiots. And then here's the amazing part. We have an incredibly bright future in Jesus. That's the second part. We're all idiots. We have an incredibly bright future in Jesus. And then here's the third part that is really just stunning, is that anyone can get in on this. Anyone can get in on this. And that's what this text means when it says, uh, this is good news of great joy for all the people. It means anyone can get in on this. And if this good news really is for all people, if anyone really can get in on this, you know what that means, friend? You can get in on this. You can get in on this. You know, we all have a lot of superficial ways of categorizing people. And you could just think about the different ways that our world does that. Uh, we categorize people as rich and poor, introverted, extroverted, uh, good people, bad people, Democrats, Rep- I would just have all of these ways of categorizing people. And the Bible looks at all of those categories and just says about them, they're all superficial. In the end, they don't matter. In the end, here is the only category that will really matter in your life. Are you in this good news or out of this good news? Are you in Christ or are you out of Christ? That in the end is the only thing that's gonna matter in a billion years from now. Are you in it or are you out of it? How do you get in on this good news? If anyone can get in on it, this incredibly bright future, that Jesus offers, how do we get in on it? Well, the Bible is clear. We get in on it by faith, by faith, by giving up on our good works and by trusting in Jesus by faith. Now, what does it mean to put your faith in Jesus? Uh, We encourage families to work through the New City Catechism. It's just 52 questions and answers that are teaching good theology. You can take one question a week and sort of make your year and some of your family discipleship Uh, through the New City Catechism. But let me read to you verse or uh, question 30 of the New City Catechism. It it asks this question, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Here's its answer. Receiving and resting on Jesus alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. That's how we get in on it, through faith, but by receiving and resting on Jesus alone alone, by trusting and treasuring Jesus. Biblical belief is not making Jesus some sort of an add-on appendage in your life. No, no, it's making Jesus your life, receiving and resting on Jesus. It's, It's you taking that decisive step toward him where you hold up your life and you say to to Jesus, I am trusting in your life, your death, your resurrection to make me right with God. Here is my life, oh God. That is faith. That is biblical belief. That's how we get in on this great news. And, And friends, I want to look at you and say, you, you can get in on this. 
you can. It's for all people. You can get in on this. And here would be the greatest travesty of this Christmas season. It is for you to walk through this Christmas season, for you to be around moments like this, and for you to miss the greatest gift of Christmas. For you to to walk through a season like this and for you not to be in on the best news that there's ever been. So friends, this is your moment. You, you You can take that step toward Jesus. So just there where you are, will you just bow with me? And I wanna give you a moment to respond to the Lord today. In a billion years from now, will you, just, will you just think about that moment? Just beyond the next day of your life, beyond the next year of your life, to the next billion years of your life. There is no more important question than, are you in on the good news of Jesus? Are you in Christ or outside of Christ? the Lord has brought you here today to to tell you you can get in on this. You can. So this is the moment where you get to respond to the Lord. You get to take that decisive step toward Him. So if that's you and the Lord is speaking to you, moving in you right now, prompting you right now, He's got you to that place where you're like, yes, Jesus, I am in. I'm coming at you, Jesus. Here's my life. Then just in the best way you know how you can offer that prayer up to the Lord Jesus. Here is my life. I'm trusting in your life, your death, your resurrection to make me right with God. Oh God, here I am. I'm giving everything to you. Just say that to him there where you are. Offer that prayer to him. You, friend, can get in on this today. And just with every head bowed, nobody's looking around, nobody's, and listen, I'm not going to embarrass you in this moment. I would just like to know so we can pray for you today. But if you are at that place where you are taking that decisive step toward Jesus, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me if that's you today? If today you're coming into this great news, would we just raise your hand and make eye contact? Yep, I see you there. Yeah. Others? Raise your hand and make eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see you there. Any others? Just raise your hand there and make eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. Any others? This could be your day to get in on, yes, to get in on the greatest gift. So just again, with every head down, if, if that's you, if you today are taking that decisive step. Here's my one ask from you. We actually want to give you a gift today. So as soon as our service is over, right there at the Connect Center, which is just on the other side of that wall, right there in the center of the lobby, we have a Seeing Jesus journal just for you. Uh, And it's just a devotional for you to help you uh, along in your walk with the Lord in 2023. So we want to give that to you today. So if you'll meet us right there at the Connect Center when we're done, we would love to celebrate with you today. And we'd love to give you that gift today. So Father, you are so, so good. And we are so, so thankful for the person of Jesus. This good news of great joy that's for all people. It's in your good name we